I'm on part two of the wonders of God, and I kind of segued a little bit in my message because um, I, we have coming in the new year, every year we do prayer and fasting for 21 days. And so I want to encourage everyone to be a part in some way with prayer and fasting. On our website, because we talk about this every year, I have designated a website page to fasting and prayer. So there are resources on there. We're going to be adding more this week. What kind of fasting you can do, how to fast, how to prepare a fast. There's teaching on there. I actually just did a teaching not too long ago, if you guys remember which I did my five-day fast on. Um, this is the, when you do your 21 days, I am very intentional about our fast. And so I get my notebook out. I want to teach you how to do it. Get your notebook out and start talking to the Lord. What do you want to expect in 2023? And I journal it because the Bible says to write it down and make it plain so that he who reads it may run with it. So every year the Lord blows my mind, every year. And they always think, I'm going to write more. And then I do. And God meets every expectation. So I want to encourage you to do that. Start asking the Lord, what am I going to do? We're going to do it January 2nd through the 22nd. And um, a lot of churches wait till later. I'm like, let's just get it going because I want to get it started and get it over with. Amen. I mean, I'm not a big fan of fasting. I know we need to do it. So I'm like, let's just do it. So January 2nd, we always do it right out the gate. Every Wednesday of the first three weeks, we have corporate prayer in the sanctuary here. So we will be doing that. We'll be coming together, praying together for our church, for our community and for each other, amen. So mark your calendars for that and start preparing. So with that, I just really felt like God wanted me to talk on the area of prayer. I'm going to take a little angle from it because I want to encourage you that fasting is wonderful, but without the prayer attached to it, it's not just the no eating. That's a really good diet, and I'm hoping to shed a few. Matter of fact, after uh, the 21 days, Pastor Paul, he's a doctor in nutrition, and um, I don't know exactly what his holistic health, um, and he's a believer, so we know we're not going to get the new age part of it. He will be here for four Wednesdays following teaching that, how to handle your stress, how to eat right. So if you're doing your fast, that's the perfect time to say, hey, you know, let's get our, our health in order too, amen. So that's going to be a wonderful time to get us healthy because how many know you have to be healthy to do something for Jesus? you got to have your mind right. you got to have your, your physical body right. Amen. So that's going to be awesome. But it's not just the no eating. You have to attach prayer to it. So I really want to teach you the simple way that you can pray with powerful results. How many would like that? I believe 2023 for all of you is the year of breakthrough. I believe that so strong in my spirit because what the Lord does for his church, he does for his people. And even for me as your pastor, and I'll share more in 2023, I have some amazing breakthroughs happening in my life personally. So I know if God's doing it in my heart, he's going to begin to do it in your life too. So I want that expectation to be up there. It's not going to be just another year. Say, it's not going to be another year. We need another year. We need a good year, amen. We need some breakthrough years. We need some miracles to manifest in our life. And that's why I want you to attach your faith and get excited about these 21 days. So in this new year, I believe there are miracles coming. I believe there are supernatural things happening. I believe there are natural things happening. Um, there are people who are overburdened and they're overwhelmed by some things. I believe there's some people who God is turning and changing in their life. There's a turning change of season, and that's wonderful. So it's so important that we're hearing and listening to what God is saying so that we can get right where God wants us to be. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you about the hymnal, um, the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. 
How many remember that song? I was going to ask you, Alex, if you knew it, and I just, I didn't. But uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. And I, it's just such a beautiful thing of who Jesus is in our life, you know. And we, we have that friendship with Jesus. And the way that verse goes, it says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Now, I want you to look at that line. It says, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. There is a privilege and a right that we have as Christ followers that everything that is overwhelming us, everything that we may have anxiety about, everything that we're believing God for, even the good things, we have the honor of giving it to Jesus because Jesus is the one who makes things happen. Jesus is the miracle worker, amen, and he wants us to take these things that we're carrying and these burdens and the things that may be disappointments, and he wants us to start lifting it up in prayer to him, amen. So let's look at Philippians 4, verse 6, and it says this. I love this. Don't worry about anything. Now, that is so much easier to read than to do, isn't it? How many have seen that video floating around of that little girl? The dad asked her something. She's in the back seat, and she's trying to get her seatbelt on and asked her if she needed help. She goes, don't worry about me. Worry about yourself. If the dad's just, don't worry about me, worry about yourself, you know. Jesus said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. We need to be opening up our mouths and praying. That's why I want to teach you the right way to pray because prayer is not that hard. We have put a lot of religion around it. We put a lot of emotions around it, which I love emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. But God doesn't need emotions to release miracles in our life. Amen. He just needs the prayer of faith connected to what the word of God says coming out of your mouth and into the heavenlies. Amen. So it's a privilege to carry these things to God. In this message this morning, my hope is that you will develop a true and sincere love for the presence of God through prayer. Coming out on Wednesday nights and, and being a part of corporate prayer. I'll be honest, as a pastor, I never enjoyed corporate prayer. I, pray for me. I, it just wasn't something I'm like, oh, I can't wait for prayer. Now, when I get here, I love it. But if I probably wasn't the pastor, it probably wouldn't be my first draw to go pray in a corporate setting. I'm just being real. But there's something about when we come together as believers in the unity of the faith, praying that one thing in one accord, what God does in the atmosphere when we pray together, amen. It's so powerful. So I want you as a church body to get this love for prayer once again. You know, and whether it be corporate or individually in your life. And I'm going to help us walk through some of that this morning. So many people don't understand prayer. Well, you want me to pray. I just don't really know what that looks like, right? Or maybe some say prayer doesn't work. Don't raise your hand. But I think some of us feel like we've prayed prayers and it didn't work. So why should I bother praying? Now, we may never say that out of our mouth. But there may be something subconsciously that discourages us from praying because we really don't understand what happens when we pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about these misconceptions this morning. Are you ready? Okay, prayer is not a duty and it's not a waste of time. When you understand prayer, it becomes a driving force in your life when you know how to do it correctly. So let's talk about three misconceptions. Number one, some of us may think prayer is complicated. You know, um, if you're just coming to Jesus or you've never really learned about praying, you almost feel like you have to have this spiritual tone. Like, you're, you know, like this is how you talk. Well, all of a sudden you're like, and Father God is... You are the Lordest of the heavenlies, and I'm here today, God. 
Don't tell me some of y'all didn't pray like that. Probably not Matthias, because Matthias needs prayer, but the rest of us has a little bit more, you know, cooth on the inside of us, right? Where we may feel like we have to have this certain demeanor when we pray, and in fact, that's not true at all. Or we may come into this where we feel like there's a formula. We can put religion in prayer. We really can. There are some people say, you better pray in the morning. Jesus woke up wherever in the morning it says, get up in the morning and pray. Well, guess what? Jesus and I know we have this thing that he don't get me up in the morning and pray. I'm not the one, call Barb at 3 o'clock in the morning, she'll be faithful and pray. No, I won't. He knows I'll just sleep, so he calls me at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right? So all of a sudden I got to get up early in the morning, right, or I better go pray for a full hour, right? If I'm not given that whole hour, then my prayer really isn't effective. Or how about where the Bible says, Jesus said, go and shut the door and pray in the closet, So you're like, okay, I better go pray in the closet, which is awesome. Nothing wrong with that. I know Miss Denise has an awesome prayer closet. But all of a sudden, like, okay, well, what do I do? It better be in the morning. Well, I better get a prayer closet. I got too much stuff in there, so I got to get it out, right? The Bible says to bind the devil. I better bind the devil in prayer. Well, I better invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And all of a sudden, we've got all this... I better hold my hand a certain way. I better point. I better raise my voice. And all of a sudden, I have literally, I'm like, I'm going to the church and I'm going to pray. Woo, I'm going to touch heaven, God's throne today. And I'll come in here with all this ambition and I'll be ready to pray. And I'm really psyched. And I walk in here and I'm just talking. I'm loud and everything. And all of a sudden, I stop and I just laugh at myself. I'm like, this is so religious. Like, I know God is in heaven laughing at me right now. Like, girl, chill. Relax, honey. Like, I am God. I am on the throne still, right? So we can get so worked up that we want this time with God that sometimes we get religious and we can miss a special moment of God just showing up on the scene. And there's times I come in here, man, I feel God's presence, and I connect to that, and I may shout and yell, and I I just tap into that. And there's sometimes I don't, and that's okay. We can't be religious when it comes to prayer because either one will stop doing it, Or two, it's ineffective prayer, and we wonder why it's not working, amen? Because God is just real. All right, or we feel like we have to be very professional. Have you ever met a professional prayer? Like, they're just so good. When they open up their mouth, it just flows, you know. Like, they know the scripture verses, right? They they just know, they know, like, in Isaiah 56.3 on page 176 in my Bible, it says... No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you're like, I don't even know where that, I don't know where Isaiah is. I like still need the index of my Bible, right? (laughs) Or you got people who pray the names of God. Jehovah Nisi, my banner, God. And it's beautiful. And I'm like, dang, I'm not praying after that. I don't know the names of God, right? So it makes us start to feel a certain way that if I don't pray these things just perfect, if I don't know all these banners and names of God, that it eliminates my voice and the power of prayer and God responding in miracles to when I pray. Amen? So it wraps us up in this bondage, doesn't it? I heard this pastor uh, preach this a while ago, but he said he goes into prayer to be like, Jehovah Nisan, you know. God, you're good to the last drop. <laughs> Your word is so good, it melts in my mouth. <laughs> it was just so hysterical. You're like a good neighbor, God, you're always there for me. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, if I meant that, God would probably show up on the scene. Because I'm showing up. He says, if I draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to me. And even that crazy prayer, God's, God's like, I got your attention. I'll take Jehovah Nisan. It's okay. I'll teach you later, it's not Nissan, but I got your attention, amen? 
So sometimes we think it's complicated and it's not. Sometimes we think prayer is boring. Has anybody been there? And sometimes it is. I ain't going to lie. Sometimes prayer can be boring. It's an exercise. It's, it becomes a lifestyle in our lives. So when you learn to do it right, it isn't boring because it just becomes natural in your relationship with Jesus. I mean, and we're not the first ones to think it's boring. You know, Jesus called his disciples in his darkest hour of his life. He said, you stay here and pray, my followers. And he went off on his own. And what happened? They fell asleep. So, you know, prayer can have a tendency to be boring, doesn't it? You know, I know when I start to get into prayer, and I don't know if any of you are like this, like I know I'll have a ton of things to do, but I'll forget them. But the moment I start praying, all of a sudden I start thinking about things. All of a sudden my to-do list, I'm like, I need cereal. You know, Alexis, order from Amazon. You know, like all of a sudden things that I shouldn't even be thinking about, they're in the forefront of my mind because the devil wants to distract, Right. So it, we think, oh, I, I'm starting to pray, but now all of a sudden I got this busy mind. So I learned to do, I have my phone now by me. It used to be a laptop or whatever. But when I get into prayer, I already know the distractions of the enemy's coming. So I literally just, if something comes up, oh, yeah, that's right. I put it in my to-do list. And I just keep on praying. Put it in my to-do list. Let's not be religious about things. Right? You're not coming out of God's presence and you missed a moment. No, just get that thought out of your head and get back into prayer. Amen. All right, the third thing is, we talked about briefly, is some may feel prayer doesn't work, right? Why didn't God heal the person I was praying for? Why isn't my marriage better when I've been praying? How about you've worked at a job for a long time and you're qualified and you're schooled and you don't get the promotion? You know, there's things that are disappointing in, we, in our life and we wonder, God, where are you? Has anybody ever been that before? You just wonder, why isn't my prayer working? And most of the time what happens is we feel like we did something wrong. We feel like maybe my life is in alignment. Maybe I'm missing. Maybe I'm not spiritual enough. And maybe God doesn't care. We don't know why that doesn't happen. I believe it's because we don't really understand prayer. And when we really understand it, it'll help us begin to pray more. Amen? We are not praying. I want you to understand this. We are not praying to a distant, uninvolved, hard-to-please God. He's not far away. He doesn't want you to crawl through broken glass. John the Baptist turned the skin inside out. You don't have to. You don't have to eat locusts. Why? Because Jesus did it all for us. It was done on the cross. Every promise of the word of God is yes and amen for your life. He already did it for you. So he's not far away trying to beg, get you to beg to get to him. Amen. We are praying to a loving, caring, personal God. And you know what? God takes it even further. Not only are we his kids, but he calls us his friend. Think about that for just a minute. God calls us his friend. There is something special about that. He's not just a God that sits on the throne. He is a friend to you. Let's look at John 15, 15. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants, but I call you my most intimate friends. Isn't that powerful? He's not ruling over you. He's not trying to master and control your life. He is a friend, and a friend you talk normal to, a friend you have a relationship with. That friend cares about you, and guess what? You care about that friend. 
It eliminates this gulf of this majestic being that seems unattainable to a person who actually is, when I open up my mouth, he is there hearing me. He is there strategizing that miracle for me. He is aligning favor. He's aligning opportunities because God is my friend. Amen? And think about that. It's like God Jehovah who sits on the throne is your friend. Lion, the tribe of Judah, is your friend. The great I am is your friend. The Alpha and the Omega, this, this amazing God, calls you your friend. That is a powerful thing. You should know him and he should know you. Amen? We serve a, a relational God who loves you, gives you access to come before his throne of grace to find help in time of need. And what I want to share with you this morning is the hymn we're talking about. I want to tell you the story behind this man, what a friend we have in Jesus. I want to give you the context of how he wrote this. It was actually a poem. And his name was Joseph uh, Scriven. Yes, Scriven. And he lived in Ireland in the 1800s. And he was engaged to the girl of his youth. And they were so in love. And they were going to get married. And the day before their wedding, they decided to horseback ride to each other to see each other one last time. Well, on her way, her horse bucked up in the air, and she was knocked off the horse, knocked unconscious, and fell into the, the, the lake or the river. And she drowned minutes before Joseph got there. And it was so devastating to find the love of his life gone. And he literally had to leave Ireland, and he moved to Canada. And when he went to Canada, he fell in love with Jesus. He met Jesus Christ. And he fell so in love with him that he made, he started living his life like the, uh, the message Sermon on the Mount. And part of that, they don't understand the truth back then, but he took a vow of poverty. He felt like, I just want to give my life to God. He fell so in love with God. And so he only would work for people who couldn't afford to pay for him. He just wanted to bless people. His, his nickname was the Good Samaritan. He was known for just loving on people. Well, he fell in love again, and he met this girl named Elisa Rosh. And two weeks before their wedding, she passed away with pneumonia. She was 23 years old. So here's this devastation in this man's life. He's lost two loves of his life. He's dedicated his life to Jesus. He took a vow of poverty. And I can't imagine us going through those kind of, those are some deep disappointments and challenging. Wondering, how did, how did this happen in my life? Well, in this time, what happened was he never fell in love again. He fell, was still in love with Jesus. And his mom was passing away. And because he took a vow of uh, poverty, he couldn't fly back to Ireland to see her. So he penned the famous poem that we now sing. Sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Well, he never took credit for it. He just sent the poem, but it became very popular. Well, a good friend of his came over to his house and started seeing the notes that made up this letter. And he said, are you the one that wrote this, that wrote this song? And he said he got real quiet, he was very timid about it, and he said, well, no, the Lord and I wrote this song together. And you can really feel, and I'm going to read the lyrics too, you can really feel more behind this song than just a good song. It was a man's heart that had been broken, a man's heart who, who had trusted God. And I want you to look at the lyrics of this song. He said, can we find a friend so faithful, even through all the trials, who will, who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble everywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. 
So knowing the context behind that, you can understand that no matter where you're at, whatever season you're in, whatever place you wonder, can God ever do anything, we have to take it to the Lord in prayer. No matter the situation. And it says this in um, James 5, verse 16. This was the brother of Jesus, and he said this. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful, and it is effective. When you pray and open up your mouth, prayer may not always change the situation right away, but prayer will always change you. And that's why we pray, because we need God to work on our hearts, amen? If you look at 2 Chronicles 7.14, and we all know this scripture well, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that humility means whatever I want to do, whatever mood I'm in, it doesn't matter. I'm going to sacrifice my moment. I'm going to sacrifice coming to church and prayer. I'm going to sacrifice when I'm at home. I'm going to take time and humble my agenda to get into the presence of God and pray. He said, if you'll humble yourselves, pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked way, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I know in Faith Builders, we're taking North Phoenix, Arizona in the 2023. There's no doubt in my mind. This church is going to be so full. God is blessing us. God is, is putting favor on this house. And incredible things are happening. But we must be a praying church. We must be opening up our mouths and not only praying for your home, but praying for your church and praying for your community and praying for the lost to come in. Because what happens when we pray? Prayer is the way that you defeat the devil. Prayer is the way that the lost come back to Jesus. Prayer moves mountains in our lives. When you pray, it calms the storms. Now remember, Jesus didn't have to shout at the storm. He knew who he was. The word said, shh. See, that's prayer. We don't have to scream and shout at everything. I am a shouter. That's kind of my nature. I don't mind doing it. But that doesn't move the mountain. Prayer moves the mountain. The word of God moves the mountain. Amen. So in this relationship with you, you just be yourself. God knows exactly who you are. He knows your tone. He knows your language. He knows your demeanor. He knows everything about you. He's not looking for you to change to go to him. He wants you just to be a friend. Amen. So prayer calms the storm. Prayer heals the sick. Prayer restores marriages. Prayer gives healing. It restores broken people. It pushes back the darkness and brings in the light. When we pray, we pray the prayer of healing over people's bodies. We're not praying to a distant, uncaring, unloving God. We're praying to a friend, right, who cares for his children, and he calls his friends to him. Prayer is the way you encounter God's presence in your life. You know his will, and you experience his peace. And if we wonder why we are not experiencing any of those in our lives, it's probably because we have not stepped out and prayed in a long time. And I don't mean just pray for your needs, which we'll talk about in just a minute. I'm talking about praying to the Lord in a relationship. So how do we pray? I'm going to give you four practical, simple ways for us to pray as we enter into this new year. Number one, when we pray, sometimes we just talk to God. 
There's this conversation. We don't have to yell. You can if you want. You don't have to. There are moments where intercession hits you, and if you're an intercessor, you know what I mean. There's this war that takes place, and you go into prayer. But 90% of my prayer life is just simply talking to God. And I don't, I don't necessarily just a lot time. Some of you have lots of kids. You've got jobs. You're serving in the church. But you make prayer a part of your life. If I'm driving to work, I'm going to talk to God in, in when I'm in my car. Or if I'm getting ready in the morning, I'm going to talk to God. Remove religion out of this prayer thing. Because God can give you a miracle while you're in the shower. Because if I'm overwhelmed and I have anxiety while I'm shampooing my hair in the name of Jesus, God, you know what I need. And you can just do about your business and talk to God. Otherwise, we find ourselves going all day long and have never talked to God. Never had him talk to us. Because we feel like we have to put it in this religious cookie cutter way. And that's just not real life. Amen. So we talk to God. Paul talks about that. He talks about in scripture that it's a beautiful, simple way and an intimate way to talk to God. When I read the scripture verse to you in Philippians in a minute, Paul, who had his whole, you'll find it in the Bible, his whole desire was to go to Rome and preach the gospel. And instead of being in Rome where he wanted to be free, he found himself in a Roman prison in jail, ready to be executed. I mean, can you imagine that? I have God, don't you know, my desire was out there, not bound up in prison. And he writes a letter to the Philippian church, and he says this, which we talked about a little bit. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Do you see how easy prayer is? It's just telling God what you need and thank you, God, that it is done according to your word. It is that prayer of agreement. Listen, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Amen? It's time to exchange our worry for some words with God and start talking to God. It doesn't have to be a burden to pray. It's a conversation with a friend. It makes it so much easier, doesn't it? I don't have to have all the fancy scripture verses. No, I'm just talking to God. Here I am. I'm just telling you about my day. I don't know if I have time to tell this story. Probably not. I might anyway. <laughs> well, many of, you know my, many of you know my story, but I just really felt led that I want to share this. When I was young and the Lord was teaching me relationship. Now, I grew up in a Christian home. So you would think having a relationship with Jesus would be a very natural, easy thing. But how many know the Lord has to teach your children too? It's your revelation. God has to expose truth to them. And so I was learning this relationship with God, and I asked God, you know, how can I know you? You know, you're so far away. Well, one of the things the Lord says is, how do you know a friend? And I'm like, well, we write letters to them. Because, you know, back in the day, we did something called snail mail. <laughs> or little letters that, you know, you do footballs to your friends or whatever. But we'd write on paper, a pen and a paper. And so I'm like, oh, so the Lord began to teach me many things. But the one thing that stuck with me, and I'm a journaler, so every day I just started writing a letter to the Lord. It was just me. It was stupid. It, was, no, it, was, it could have been good, bad, ugly. I had coffee. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. There's somewhere tucked away in storage now. But uh, I did it every day, and it was just me and Jesus because I'm like, oh, I want him to know me. And if writing is communicating, that's what I did. I told no one I did this for a year. And I went to a Bible study, and I was at this little home Bible study, and nobody knew me, and this gentleman and his wife were praying over me. And at the end of the prayer, the man said to me, oh, and the Lord wants you to know the letters that you write him, he reads them every day. I was just like, <laughs> I was a mess. 
And what I thought was so distant and so like whatever, that meant so much to God. Why? Because he's my friend. And he wants to know about me. He wants me to tell him about my life and my struggles and, and why, you know, I won't go to the second point yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. So talk to God. Just tell him. He wants to know about you. When um, Paul said pray without ceasing, how the heck can you do that? There's no way you can pray without ceasing. But if it's a conversation with God throughout the day, you're praying without ceasing. There'll be times I'm in the grocery store and the trouble comes up in my heart. I'm caught talking to myself a lot. That's why I love the mask days because I could literally talk to myself and nobody knew. It was like amazing. It's the only thing I liked about him, but anyway. Um, but anyway, I talked to God. I'll be in the car, car department. All of a sudden, this thing, and I'm like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, you know that care, and you know how to reach him, and you know how to get him, whatever the prayer is, you know. And I just take that moment. I didn't have to set aside and go to the church or go home and get in the closet. No, I needed to release my prayer to my friend right now that I'm troubled, amen, and give it, throw it at his feet is what the Bible says to do. So I'm not going to try to fit God in the closet. I'm going to try to do what God's called me to do. Amen? All right. He never leaves you. The Bible says he never forsakes you. That means he's a friend doing life with you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? When you go to work, he's right there with you. When you're on the streets, when you're in the grocery shops, when you're on the job, he's right there with you. And he wants you to talk to him. You can tell God what you need and you can thank him for what he's already done. And what happens when we don't get into prayer? We feel guilty. We feel condemned. Well, I can't pray that long. Well, God isn't looking for that. And maybe if you're married or you're dating or even a friend and you send them that text, like just thinking of you, praying for you. And that man's like, oh, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. That's God. God, I love you so much. I just thank you for this job, God. That's like shooting God a text. You know, God's not looking for these extravagant long moments. He's just looking to talk with you, amen, looking for consistent communication with him. Get up in the morning and your first word to say, God, thank you for this day. You know, you're walking to get your coffee. Thank you that this is the day you have made. God, you have blessings and favor ahead of me in my day today. I'll be blessed and prosperous. And you're just going to get your coffee, right? You're going to surround me with favor as a shield. Lord, you're going to show me someone who needs love and prayer today. You're going to show me who I can bless. And that's just all before you left the house that morning. And you're just talking to God. All right, the next one is two. I think it's two. Sometimes you need to vent to God. Has anybody ever needed to vent to God? Do you know it's okay to tell God the things that you're frustrated with? He already knows them anyway, so quit putting them under a, a rug in your heart and say, God, I'm kind of upset about this. I kind of don't understand this season, God. He's looking for you to communicate with him. David, he, he lost everything, and the Bible says that he went down prostrate before the Lord, and he yelled out to God. He cried out to God. There are times that we can be in that moment of just being real with God, but we don't stay there. And that's where people lose it. They stay frustrated. They stay angry. They don't wait for the answer, which we'll talk about in a minute. And they carry that frustration with them into the day. Amen? So we can communicate with God. We can vent. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares unto the Lord because he cares for you. That means I'm rolling off onto. I'm taking this burden that I don't know how to answer. And it is yours, Jesus. I'm not going to carry the burden. I don't know how the miracle is going to happen, but you do. I don't know where the favor is going to come, but you do. I don't know how my marriage is going to be restored, but you do. And I'm taking it off of me, and I'm putting it at the feet of Jesus who has the answer. When I took this church over, and you know my story, I walked in this sanctuary when I said yes to God. I said yes to God like this. It's not my church, God. 
It's not mine, it's yours. You give me ears to hear, I'll obey you to the best I know how to do, but it is your church. When it's blessed, it's because you're blessing it. If it's going through some trials, you are still in control of the church. And I'll feel the burden sometimes. That's for the last couple years. It's been challenging as a pastor, all pastors to lead. And as soon as I feel that, I'm like, nope, belongs to God. I cast it at your feet, Jesus. I receive the joy of the Lord that is my strength. Devil, you're not going to steal my joy. I don't know how God's going to do it or when he's going to do it, but God, it is yours. That's casting. That's throughout the day. Because sometimes that burden, it's just like an ugly little, you know, just creeps right back up in your heart. Nope, not receiving it today, devil. You're a liar. You're under my feet. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you get right back where God wants you to be. Amen. Be consistent. Listen, God wants you to talk to him. You have your children come to you or little ones that you love and, and they're talking about how frustrated and how somebody was mean to them at school or did them wrong. You don't push that child away. You don't push that angry child away, that upset child. What do you do? You embrace that child. Come here. Let's talk. Let's go get that bully. Your daddy wants to avenge you. He wants to fight for you. I'm moving a lot. I'm really afraid. <gasps> Is it the other foot now? Oh, my gosh. Well, I need to go shoe shopping, y'all. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I'll be coming in with some cute boots from now on, new from this door. Yeah, I can't move very much. I don't even wear these very much either. That's so crazy. Anyway, where was I? Your, your God, God will draw you in. He wants to hear your, your venting. He wants to know what you're going through so that he can speak to you. Amen. Why? Because he cares. All right. The, this is the last most important one is sometimes you need to listen to God. And I think this is where Christians stop. We don't stop long enough to listen. We may talk and complain. We may cast it off at his feet. But we never stop to hear what he has to say. How many remember that Elvis Presley song, Stop? Look and listen, baby. That's my prerogative. Just kidding. It's called rubbernecking, baby. Is that kissing? I was kind of wondering, what is rubbernecking? Does anybody know? Was it a dance? Okay. God told me something a long time ago. There's an anointing in the pause. When you give it to God, when you're, there's something that you've given to God and you're trusting God, stop and listen to him. And it may take more than one day. Learn to be quiet in the presence of God. One moment you'll be in your car. One moment you'll be getting ready at your home and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Because you gave it to him and now you have a room availability to hear what God has to say about the situation. Amen. We need to stop talking and start listening. John 10, 27 says this. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and no other will they follow. How many know Jesus is the good shepherd and we are his sheep? Listen, it's his job to guide you. It's our job to follow him. Isn't that powerful? And I want you to get this. Prayer was never meant for us to just be asking God and telling him what we want him to do. It was never meant for that. You go back to the Garden of Eden. What did God do? Why did he create man to begin with? He already had the angels worshiping him. He didn't need the creature man. He did it for fellowship. Every day he went to the cool of the garden till they got busted. <laughs> but every day he couldn't wait to get in that garden to talk with Adam and Eve. I don't even know what he could have talked about. 
his creation, I don't know, what they experienced, the new tree, the new flowers, but he came down from his throne to be among the people that he loved. That is the God that we serve. He was never meant for a to-do list. It's always about relationship, amen. Samuel, young Samuel, when King Eli, or the priest Eli, had sin in his house, God was no longer speaking to Eli. He was calling the heart of a young man named Samuel who didn't know his voice who didn't know how to hear God. And so in the middle of the night, he said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel took off to Eli. Eli, what do you want? And Eli got a word from God. Well, God's calling you. You say, yes, Lord, your servant, your servant hears. Is that how it goes? Something like that. But God did it four times. Why? Because he was patient with Samuel. Samuel wasn't used to hearing God. He didn't know God's voice. But it finally connected with him by the fourth time. Samuel, Samuel, yes, Lord, I hear you now. I'm listening. And he got the commission to be a great priest in the house of the Lord. Amen. So it may not always be an audible voice, probably never in most of our lives. But how does God do it? Maybe through a song. Maybe through people. Maybe through the radio. But the number one thing God does it through is the word of God. His word is a manual. His word has answers. It has truth. It will take time to open up the word of God. The word will comfort you. It will direct you. It will be a light into your life. It's living and it's active and it's powerful. Amen. Once you get past the boring part of it, it will become exciting to you. You make it a part of your life. Amen. And you can go ahead and come on up. And the last point is this. At all times, you give thanks to God. Now it's time to thank him for what he's done. We've talked to him. We've vented to him. We've listening to him. And now we say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. We're going to finish this verse. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds everything we can understand. Do you see the process to peace? I'm going to tell God everything. I'm going to give my worries to him. I'm going to thank him for what he's done. There's the peace of God. Why don't I have peace, God? Why am I worried and overwhelmed? Because we're not talking to God. We're not talking to God. And when you do and you give it to him, what's it say? It exceeds everything you can understand. What does that mean? God's going to blow your mind. Because what you've been hanging on to, trying to figure out, and you by faith give it to God. Here I am, Lord. God's like, oh, watch and see what I'll do. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could think, dream, or imagine because that's the God that you serve. Amen. Prayer may not change your circumstances right away, but prayer always changes you. Now let's finish the last of this song. It says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer. Isn't that powerful? True peace isn't the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. Isn't it exciting? Doesn't it make you want to pray now? It makes you want to talk to God. It makes it so easy and takes religion right out of it. You're going to see more effective things happen in your life just by talking to the Lord and listening to what he has to say. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this word that you're bringing us back to, God. It's the fundamentals of our faith. But, Lord, sometimes we get so far away from a truth that you just want to bring us back home. And, God, I pray that as we enter 2023 that we will be a praying people. 
that, God, we will take time to pray for our families and our situations and our church and our community, God. I pray as we gather every Wednesday in the new year that, God, there will be supernatural shifts that will take place. There will be miracles that will take place in the atmosphere of this city, Father God. We know already what you're doing. You spoke a thousand people will come to you, Jesus, and we are ready. I thank you that you equip us and get us in alignment with the vision you've called to this house, Father God. And I pray and I come into agreement with all their desires, all their dreams. God, as they write and strategize as couples, Lord, I just hear the Lord say, you need to sit and journal what you want from God. Be specific. If you're married, get together on your first day fast and then talk to God and journal what the Lord is saying and what God is speaking. He's going to do some supernatural things in your life. And don't think anything uncommon. Just write whatever comes to your heart. Let vision, single people, get with God, talk with God, find out what's deep on the inside of you. Let the Lord begin to challenge you with some desires and dreams and callings and awakening the things inside of you. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to bless them. They're going to hear your voice. They're going to strategize with you, Holy Spirit. And you're going to do supernatural things that are going to blow their mind, Father God. And I thank you for it. I want to invite anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know the Lord or you're away from Jesus, this is your moment to come back to God. Amen. So I'm going to ask us all to say this prayer together. Maybe you're saying it for the first time or you're saying, I'm coming back to God. I'm going to reconnect to this relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've just been wandered away and you're coming back. Let's just pray this together. Amen. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me of my absence and being comfortable in my walk with you. I invite you back in, Jesus. Give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. And I will hear and I will obey. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus.